0: Melbourne, Steel Wars is back for three shows only in the Melbourne International Comedy Festival. Friday, March 30th, Saturday, March 31st and Monday, April the 2nd at 2pm at the Sub Club in Melbourne City. Plus, there is one weekend of I Love Green Guide Letters podcast also. Tickets are on sale now at SteelWars.com.
1: Blog Talk Radio.
2: Hey, you guys, welcome to the Steel Wars Call-In Show. I am comedian Steel Saunders, and I do love Star Wars. And over the next hour and a half or so, we will be talking about the turbulent world of Star Wars. What an exciting time to be a fan in the wake of The Last Jedi. I, I think easily the most... The Vice is Star Wars movie amongst Star Wars fans in quite a while. Is it the is it the best movie since Return of the Jedi? Is it the worst? Who can say? Absolutely no one, because your personal opinion is just that. But to have a bit of a discussion about The Last Jedi and uh, the new story arc in Battlefront Two, we have got from Star Wars Explained returning guest Alex. How are you doing, buddy?
3: Hey, great. Yeah, I decided to come on even though you spent just about all of Collider Jedi Council disparaging YouTube channels. What's that about? (laughs) (laughs) Listen,
2: listen, it's just, it's okay. Don't get all. <laughs> you, know, don't, you don't have to associate with the zeros of the world. I've, 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 <laughs> I've, I've gushed about my love of the Star Wars Explained channel, so don't go uh, fishing for compliments. I actually uh, gave, you a, I, I gave you a sweet plug, buddy. So, uh, <laughs> you did, you did. Any publicity, any publicity. And uh, also on the line for a limited time, so we're very happy to have him, he uh, was part of the writing team for the single-player mode on Battlefront Two, and for layman terms, for people like me, that means he wrote the story part. Welcome back, Mitch Dyer. How you doing, Mitch?
4: So good. So glad to be
5: here. Ready to talk about Last Jedi, Battlefront Two, all the connections therein. So good.
2: Nice. What, um, Alex? Uh, you are a, a, a boffin of Star Wars lore what were some of the more interesting correlations between Battlefront 2 and The Last Jedi that you picked up on?
3: Oh, well, I mean, I guess the Project Resurrection DLC that came out the day before (laughs) uh, would have the most connections. And it was really cool seeing, I, I, I guess we're talking spoilers about that, right? So, I mean, the very end where you get to show up at Dakar, and kind of see them preparing to evacuate. You see the Rattus, you see the Nenka. That that was pretty neat, and also seeing the very end of the Force Awakens play out from a different perspective.
2: Uh, it was a lot of fun. Nice. I like seeing the um, the compass. That was a just, of just a, a just a little. I don't know, just a little cool thing, Mitch. What what, what do you know about that compass, buddy?
5: Well. Not a lot, to be honest. What I can tell you is that when we pitched the Luke Skywalker mission, I, I think we talked about this a little bit still. first time I was on the show. I told you that we pitched this Luke Skywalker mission and that the, the idea we had was so compelling that Lucasfilm said, yes, absolutely, go for it. And the idea we had was, what if Luke finds something in a vault, in one of the Palpatine's vaults, that is sort of his first step in putting him on the island at Atto, at finding that first Jedi temple. Um, and for us, that was kind of just the idea we had. Luke's film came back to us and said, OK, cool. It's this awesome star compass. Uh, it's going to be in the film. There's going to be a prop. And the, it's funny watching the movie now. Like, I've seen it a couple times. seen The Last Jedi a couple times. I'm going again tomorrow. It's really cool because I noticed the second time, the compass when in the flashback scenes to Ben and Luke, it's on Ben's desk and you get to see it in the present timeline in Luke's hut but you can also see it on Ben's desk when he reaches out for his lightsaber
1: so that, really? that
5: given to Ben it, it, was, it, it was somehow his for some amount of time the temple was destroyed and Luke recovered it from the temple and then used it to, to do whatever he did um, so yeah keep an eye out next time it's, I think you get the clearest look at it in the third flashback when Luke is telling you how it really happened you get a little, just a little glimpse of it, but it's there on the desk on the left side.
2: So, what you're that, implying with this is that Kylo Ren was doing a bit of galactic orienteering.
5: Yeah, and I almost wonder if, and obviously this is now like applying a bunch of significance to a thing that I don't even know what it really does. Uh, I almost wonder if the Jedi were searching for that temple together, or if you know, you know, Han said in the Force Awakens, say, "Those who knew him best said he was looking for the first Jedi temple." Maybe that's what the Jedi were doing. They were kind of looking for Jedi relics and artifacts and lore and all this stuff that, that San Santeca is kind of doing as well. Right? Like there might be a connection between what the temple was doing, what the force of church of the force is doing. Um, I don't know. Like that's rich, rich, rich storytelling opportunity that I am just itching to know more about.
2: I, uh, I like it in star Wars when characters do what we want to do, like find out more about the Jedi. Yeah. Do that. And then tell me. I want to know. <laughs> what, what what are your thoughts about The Last Jedi, Mitch? Uh,
5: so the first time I saw it, I really liked it. I thought it had some structural problems, and I thought maybe some things were a little confusing or convenient. And then the second time I saw it, I, I re- that it all crystallized for me. And I started to realize that things that I thought were maybe a little bit meandering, or maybe a little inconsequential, or a little... Predictable or whatever issues I might have had, it, it came into place. Everything fell into place, and it just felt coherent and smart and brave. And it felt like a, a Star Wars movie that, top to bottom from the beginning, always knew what it was going to do. And it just trusted you. That's the thing about this movie that I really, really respect is Ryan Johnson trusts you to keep up with everything he's doing. He doesn't spell things out entirely all the time. He lets you draw your own conclusions. He lets you read into things. Um, And for me, I think the overarching theme of the film, and something that I'm really glad that we touched on in Resurrection, is failure, right? Like, the only person in The Last Jedi who gets what he wants is Luke Skywalker. Every other character fails catastrophically, and it's not a very heroic movie for our heroes. They do get their moments of triumph, but I thought it was really fascinating to see Poe make these brash decisions, which connects to, you know, what Aiden and Zay's mission is in Resurrection. Like, They find these dreadnought plans, they bring them to the Resistance, we give them to Commander Dameron, and Commander Dameron goes and makes a bunch of brash mistakes that make Zay <laughs> really mad. Uh, it's, it's, and that's like a fun thing for us, but it's also just, it's interesting to see that in Resurrection, Aiden's mission is kind of a failure, even though she does get those plans to the Poe. Uh, and and the overarching theme of, of The Last Jedi being failure. And you see a lot of characters really angry throughout this film. You see like Finn is angry, Rose is angry, Poe especially is angry. Uh, you can see even Haldo is kind of bottling it up a little bit, but she's got a little bit of anger in her too. So it's interesting to see these these sort of negative attributes given to our heroes, but having them overcome them together and because of each other and because they, they see the greater, bigger picture doing things for the greater good, is so fascinating, and it feels like such a refreshing change of pace for Star Wars that I was absolutely not expecting. It was totally blindsided by. Loved it. I,
2: I think I have to disagree with your point that only Luke Skywalker got what he won. Uh, what about that... Um... Pog um, protester for veganism. He, he, he got his way in the end. <laughs> That's
5: true. Chewie didn't eat that Porg, so he he really got what he wanted. I don't, why didn't Chewie eat the Porg? He was already dead. He's not coming I back.
2: Have, I have heard that actually discussed on, what podcast? It was Rogue One, and they were discussing how it was disrespectful to the dead Porg to kill it and then not eat it, and <laughs> completely I, agree. Completely I just, agree. He already cooked it. I just love that, like four days out from the movie, or how long it's been. I guess it's a week or something. But we're already at those discussions.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I, I think he probably
2: did
3: eat it. I think he just turned his back, and we just didn't see that part. I don't see Chewie did being
5: it wasteful up, right? like
3: that. Yeah, he did. Yeah,
5: yeah. And I Alex, think he ate it, but felt bad about to see it. Luke, and he ate it.
2: <laughs> yeah. And and how are you sitting, Alex? I watched a few of your videos directly after the film came out and, and you definitely, your eyebrows seemed a little bit singed, much like us all was just like, wow, that's a lot to take in. Uh, where are you at a week later?
3: Week later and yeah, having another viewing under my belt. Uh, I did like the second time around much more. A lot of things that bothered me the first time didn't bother me at all. It's it's weird being like someone that talks about the movies now and there's almost like this added pressure where like I was kind of sitting in the theater to see it the first time. And I was like, I'm just not mentally prepared for this. Like, I feel like, no, you have to process
5: all your own emotions. Yeah. You can process any of the characters.
3: Exactly. And I was like, you feel this pressure to like it. And then like, you also have to remember like, Oh, I got to talk about that and that and that, like, I can't just sit and enjoy it. And then on Monday we went back and saw it. And yeah, I mean like all of my, expectations were out the window i just got to watch it for what it was and not for what i was hoping it would be and the more i think about it and especially the the stuff surrounding luke which i think was what was really not sitting well with me at first like i'm starting to really love what he did it's just that i'm coming off of 20 years of legends lore where you get story after story of luke and han and leia being heroes and saving the galaxy again and again and again and and he doesn't do that and it it was like a lot to stomach but now I really love how it all ended with him how he set himself back up to be a legend so yeah a week out I still don't know where I would put it like in my ranking of all the films I'm still kind of tossing that around but it's it's definitely a film that I like and I think it's gonna wind up being very important for Star Wars in the future like I, I'm wondering if this is just going to make people have a more open mind when they go into episode nine or Brian Johnson's trilogy. They might have learned the lesson to not hold on to all of those expectations and years' worth of theories and stuff.
2: Yeah, one thing Jason and I did a Patreon episode that's going to go up later today, and he mentioned that it's. Like it's sort of like a, a grueling movie to watch, like like just the emotions that you go through. It's not like the, the fun jaunt that The Force Awakens was. Yeah. So it's, it's a think little bit. I the
5: humor much. is really necessary, right? Like people kind of rag on the jokes, like ah, it's too funny, which is a, a criticism I never really understand. <laughs> but I feel like you need those moments of relief. Even if it's just you know it's a it's a grim infiltration of the first order ship after things are going wrong and BB Eight in his trash can like bumps into a wall and knocks off a panel you just you need those little those little moments to kind of keep it together.
2: Yeah, I my my first viewing the comedy was was a bit rich, but when I watched it the second time, the same with the Canto Bite section, like that seemed to flow a lot better on the second viewing. Which people, yeah,
1: completely agree
2: people are very cynical about the whole concept of second viewing. Like, ah, you probably got to see it, you know, another time. And it's like, well, I'm just going to see it. You know, it doesn't get me the first time you're done, son, but you are comparing it to a film you have seen a hundred times. So there is a bit of balance that you need that, you know, all these other films you've seen so many times. So you're used to them. And, you know, if, they, if they're going to you know go on a, a, a different path, it might take a, a couple times just to get into the groove of the movie. I
5: mean, yeah, I'm, I'm like, always hesitant of criticisms of the Williams' soundtrack, right? Or any soundtrack in Star Wars. Like Jacinto got a little bit of grief for it too. Like, ah, it's not as memorable as the Empire Strikes Back. Like, no kidding.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I am um, same with the Fourth Awakens. Just didn't when people commented on the score. I had no idea what they were talking about in the first viewing. I just, the music doesn't kick in for me until the next time I'm too concentrating on the story to take in the music.
3: I don't know what it was about this time around, but like Mitch, I think you actually tweeted out about how the March of the resistance was just so good. And that was never really a theme that clicked with me in the force awakens, but the day after the, yeah, but the day after seeing it, it, in The Last Jedi, I couldn't get it out of my head. I was just constantly humming it.
5: Jedi so I, has uh, a couple of really great remixes in The Last
3: Jedi as well. I'm, I'm
2: a raised theme type of guy. I, that uh, one
3: had me since The Force Awakens. I, I, yeah, of I, I,
2: often, I often very poorly whistle that one. It's, uh, <laughs> I, I, I'm happy to discredit the great work of uh, Jonathan Williams. Uh, Johnny Baby, Johnny Baby. Now, Mitch, tell us about, for, for the layman, like myself, what, what, what's going on with this, um, the, the new download story? Just give it to me, give it to yeah, me. Yeah, man. Without the, the mumbo jumbo that you industry-type <laughs> lean upon. Yeah, it's
5: a pure, oh, this is a pure Star Wars of it all. So, Resurrection is our, uh, our, our expansion, our story expansion for Battlefront 2. So if you played through the campaign, you now get this, this new, chap, new chapter, um, and it's sort of just the. It's an versio centric arc, so you get to see what this Special Forces commander is up to almost 30 years later. And what she's up to is investigating the murder of her husband with her daughter and Shriv, um, who's my sweet, perfect son. <laughs>
1: uh, so they're, they're
5: out tracing through the galaxy, uh, figuring out what's going on as the First Order kind of boils over in the galaxy and that conflict erupts. Uh, it's cool. We get to go to some new planets. We. Inter- you know, we go back to Vardos, which is Iden's home homeworld, and it's it's 30 years after Operation Cinder kind of raised it to the ground. So you get to see how that planet's changed, and uh, in some ways how it hasn't. You get to go to Asula, which is a big planet where like a moon exploded, made a big asteroid field. So you can fly through that, and shoot down some people, and as we kind of bring it to a close, and I'm just spoiling the whole thing, we uh, we get to board a first order star destroyer and rip it out of hyperspace when it jumps to Starkiller Base. And in the process of all this, we realize that Aiden's uh, poor husband has indeed died. He's done for. And he had stumbled onto, as Aiden has, a First Order conspiracy that is, uh, uh, it's got a little bit of connections to the, the uh, Last Jedi and the Otomox system. And you can see some of that in the, the Cobalt Squadron book. Uh, and you get to learn a little bit about how and where the First Order is stealing these kids from to build stormtroopers, to build their army, uh, to reclaim the galaxy.
2: Hmm. Have you dipped into it yet, Alex?
3: Oh yeah, I played it the day it came out, and I almost—I was about to send Mitch a very nasty message because I thought that he had killed Shriev. <laughs> I, I was about oh, to be furious. Alex, <laughs> please. I don't know. I please. don't know what you're gonna do. What? What you're gonna? How you're gonna rip my heart out? But <laughs> I, I was—I was so worried.
2: <laughs> how could you kill Shriev? What a
3: hit.
2: Love that dude.
5: Here's the thing, is that somebody out there, because this is how Star Wars works now, is uh, somebody's going to look at that character and say, Shriv's pretty great. People really like him. I'm going to kill him. And a different author is going to take Shriv away from us. (laughs) And when the time comes, we rise up. We rise up against (laughs) Greg Rucka or whoever
2: does it. I've got my hashtag ready, not my Shriv. It's, uh, It's good to go, you guys. It's good to go. Now, one thing that I wanted to quiz you about at towards the end of the, the main game, it's that it's dropped that they have a daughter and not much information is brought up apart from that. And and that sent the fan base into a tizzy, like comparably to this week, very, very small amount of tizzy. (laughs) But back then it was all the talk. Now, was, it, was that a purposeful uh, ruffling of the fandom's feathers to start thinking about young Ray, or just a coincidence? So,
5: hilariously, no. It was not intentional. And it, we were so... My co-writer, Walt Williams, and I were so confused that people were inferring this. And it also became really funny because Janina kind of leaned into it, and when she was doing interviews about the daughter, she would say her name rhymes with gray.
1: <laughs> her
5: name's they. <laughs> it's got a little bit of a similar sound um but no it's funny i'm, I'm trying to imagine a world in which the last jedi race says, show me my parents and the the fog wipes away and it's just it's janina who looks nothing like daisy ridley
1: uh
5: so we just we never even considered it as like a oh it's a fun misdirect maybe we could play with expectations because it was just so insane to us that that was a, a conclusion that was being drawn but you know, after after we started seeing it come up multiple times and people were talking to us on Twitter about it, we started like, oh, man. Like, I understand where these feelings are now coming from because it is a little vague, but it was never meant to be mysterious or like, ooh, who's the daughter?
3: I, I think but that's Even just,
2: with it, the it, rhyming it, it, name, <laughs> that, that, that raises an eyebrow. The rhyming name.
3: I mean, I, I think that's just so indicative of the Star Wars fandom, is that if you mention the word daughter... People are like uh, all over it. It's like it's parents, gotta we have be parents here,
5: everybody. We got it we got so now we need to find a daughter. We have a daughter in Ray, they must be the parents of Ray.
3: I was like well, I, I, I just that that blew me away. I was like, there's so much evidence against that and like people didn't even bother to look it up. They were just like, It's gotta be, it's gotta be. I figured it out and they wanna be the first ones and it's
2: like Yeah. Just the, just but, like oh. But but it's also You know, if you just introduce a female character, it's instantly, whose mother is she? Whose mother (laughs) is she? Like, it's very, uh, very hard to introduce a new female character in Star Wars now without um, her potentially having um, lost Jedi children somewhere somewhere out there yeah
5: well it's the interesting thing now about star wars and i mean this is maybe uh, hopefully a little bit of insight into you know the way story groups think at lucasfilm is when we were conceiving the story for battlefront 2 and this is obviously true of the last jedi as well the thinking isn't okay how can we connect everything right like how can we make everything feel as small as possible the thinking at lucasfilm is very much about broadening the galaxy and i think you're going to see that especially in ryan's new
3: trilogy Uh, yeah i think so like, I, I feel like I need to, because I, I do videos on, like, here are all the fun little Easter eggs, and I love doing that, but it's, some people act like that's the end-all be-all the Star Wars. It's like, no, the connections are fun, but they're the icing on the cake. It's not, like, it's about the stories and the characters.
5: Yeah, and I, I think that's where a lot of the conversation is getting lost in the weeds, is, there's all these semantic details about how things do or don't work and which characters are on which paths, and what they would and wouldn't do. But the grander scheme of things what they're not considering is that something like, like Luke being a, a crybaby is kind of the central criticism of Star Wars over the last 40 years, right?
1: <laughs> so that's pretty in line
5: with him running away and not like having a temper tantrum and just not wanting to deal with anything because it's literally the foundation of the character. Is I want to go to Taki Station. I want to go to the Academy. I want to leave. That's Luke Skywalker. Yes, he's going to go to this island and be retreating. Yes, he's going to have made a big mistake and not know how to deal with it. because He, he fell into something many, many, many years, both too late and too soon to become a Jedi. He never had proper training, but he also came into it too late, but he was also coming into it at the exact right time. It's, this, it's a complicated character who, for me, feels Beautifully perfect in The Last Jedi in a way that's heartbreaking. And, and you see the way this guy has suffered over the years. And he's, he's wanted to avoid the vanity of the Jedi and heroism and being known across the galaxy. And in the end, his ultimate sacrifice accomplishes exactly that. And he spreads across the galaxy like wildfire in the same way that he spread across ours to become this legendary hero known to everybody who did the right thing at the right time.
2: Yeah, I, I think a big backlash to the Luke Skywalker thing is like wish fulfillment versus like what the hero can teach us through not fully fulfilling the wish. And and no one wanted that green lightsaber and uh, a crazy save the day moment more than I. So uh, <laughs> it, it is... You know, more than you know, probably up there with *The Empire Strikes Back*, a film that you it gives you a lot to think. Everything's been repositioned. Now, Mitch, you've got to tell me this: in *Battlefront 2*, I've heard rumors that I can get some more Tally in my life.
6: <laughs> yeah, man.
5: So Tally, Tally Lintra, who, if you remember from the film, is the A-wing pilot that Poe was kind of in contact with during the bombing run. Callie is a multiplayer hero now, so her A-Wing is now in the multiplayer mode, so you can fly her around Dakar, you can fly her around wherever there's a Starfighter Assault. And it's fun, Joe Fielder and Charles Sewell, Charles writes the Poe Dameron comic, and Joe Fielder uh, worked at Bioshock Infinite. Those guys touched all of the, the Starfighter Assault stuff, and they did some like, really fun dialogue. So They brought, they brought Tally to life in a way, you get a little more of her than you get in the film, right? She's got a few lines, but in multiplayer, she's very chatty. You can learn all, a little bit more about her through that.
2: I liked, uh, I liked her enthusiasm. I was, I was very impressed with, with Tally's work, and I, I, I mourn her daily. R.I.P. Tally. Yeah,
3: I was bummed all to right. see her go out so fast, and just A Wings in general. I, I was just sad that they all went.
2: <laughs> yeah, I was so excited to have them back. And, you know, she just wiped the floor with your, your bigs, you know, those, those old, boring uh, pilots. That all right, think, we can move on. We can move on. that's how you're going to (laughs) be sorry sorry All right, well guys how about we uh, take some calls as far as if you've got a you've got a Battlefront 2 question Mitch is just a part of the project which did the single player story mode so he might not be able to help you out with any of the other I don't even know what the other types are called The, the battles the verses. <laughs> what, what's the other mode called? Multi-player,
5: the, the Starfighter Assault, the Galactic Assault, the Arcade, etc., etc., etc. No, let's talk story, man. I, I'm, a, I'm a writer. I'm a giant Star Wars nerd. I've been thinking about this for a long time. Let's talk. Let's dissect some Star Wars stories.
2: All righty. Well, let's go to 630. Who are you and where are you calling from? Hey, buddy. It's Tyler Westhouse, and
6: I'm calling from Geneva, Illinois.
2: Ah, oh, you, you're out of Chicago. Who's that man?
6: yeah i usually say chicago just because it's what i say when people ask where i'm from but i've been living a lie and i'm just going to start admitting i'm from the suburbs
2: well i'm glad you've had um a a bounce of honesty (laughs) as we end 2017 uh what do you got for us mate
6: well real quick i got i got three things one for each of you as a form of christmas gift. (laughs) first i'm going to start with alex alex uh We've been trying to have a business call for the past two days, and I've canceled on you every time. And I'm very sorry for that. It's <laughs> all um, good,
3: man. Do
6: you guys Mitch, want to get to the Do you want
5: to take this, the time now to do this call?
6: Well, I'm gonna. You might want to say that about what I'm going to tell you because Mitch, I got an axe to grind with you, and I've sort of explained oh, this via our personal text a few times. But you made my girlfriend cry three times with your damn game, and <laughs> I'm not happy about it. <laughs> you. You made her song. cry when, oh, yeah. uh, when Dale died, you made her cry when, uh, the one thing that I'm not going to say happened, but something happened at the end of resurrection that made her cry. And then when Shriv almost died, you made her cry again. And I'm mad at you. <laughs> wow.
5: I didn't even, so it's funny too, our Shriv moment, I assume it's like after the crash. Right. Yes. So we, we never intended that to be a Shriv fake out death moment. That was like a gag where we were like, oh, it'd be funny if Shrimp was, like, crushed under some garbage. <laughs> and everyone's like, oh, my God. Is he okay?
1: <laughs>
6: honestly,
5: <laughs> keep like, him out of danger.
6: <laughs> yeah, please. That PTSD from that event went into The Last Jedi for me. Because I had, after snowstep death in The Last Jedi, I just expected everybody to die. So I was totally convinced Finn was going to bite it. And then I thought Rose was dead for, like, five seconds. And <laughs> the way she looked, and just, like, in my head, in that moment, I thought, like, oh, no, this is just, like, Shrimp. So your character had a lasting impact into The Last Jedi for me. So consider yourself uh, I'm like not going to lie,
5: Tyler. It makes me very, very happy to hear that your girlfriend cried, <laughs> which is a very wow. weird thing to say. But uh, that's it's bizarre, man. Like, I never really thought people would be as attached to these characters as they are, and it is so surreal and cool to see people get as emotionally attached as they are, but I don't want to
6: break any hearts. I'm sorry. Well, yeah, already I, did. And she, she has choice words for you next time we're in person that I don't want to say on the
2: podcast because they're too explicit, uh, but she's managed uh, uh, to
5: spend every day until then bracing myself.
2: I, yeah. I normally... Steal.
6: I'm just going to say, uh, what's
5: up, Bob. Oh,
2: no, I'm going to say, I normally start <laughs> crying when I play the multiplayer part of the game because
1: I last about
2: <laughs> four seconds. I get all teary. But uh, what, what's your with me, Tyler? I can't wait for this.
6: Yeah, so I got a question for you guys, but I'm going to let you pick which question I'm going to ask. Ooh. I'm going to ask either a Snoke question or a Hux Kylo Ren question. Ooh, I think Steele has to pick this one.
2: Let's go to the Snoke question. <laughs> right. the,
6: Snoke que- the, Snoke- the Snoke question. It's not a theory. It's we, we all know Snoke's dead now, and it doesn't matter what his past or future is, whatever. I did not expect Snoke to die at all. That's probably the most shocking moment of the film for me. I want to know if Snoke had not died, what would you like to have seen his arc be? And what would you have liked to see his potential backstory be if they had expanded upon it at all? Now we need your
5: hypothetical Snoke theories.
1: (laughs) Uh, He's
2: he's Plagueis. There you go. (laughs) I when definitely when he got killed, it was it was very shocking, and I thought that that moment was when the movie just revved up, and mm-hmm. you know there was a lot to take in in the the first part of the film with the flashbacks and 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 Leia doing her spacewalk, and it was sort of just like, wow, there's a lot of weird stuff in this film, but then when Snoke died, and they went back to back, oh oh my god, it was just Delightful. I, I never really had a, a good grasp on what I wanted to see happen with his like going forth. I I, I don't know, I, I kind of agree with what they did. That was the most exciting thing to totally um you know change the, the playing field and not have Kylo Ren under snoke for a third film. I, I think that's the like the most exciting choice they could have made. What do you think, Alex?
3: Uh, I am right there with you. That is the moment when... I, I mean, that's my favorite sequence in the film is everything in his throne room from when they walk in to him getting cut in half and then the amazing fight with the Praetorian guards. Like, I'm obsessed with those guys because who knew they were going to hold their own? Usually the guys in the cool armor just get wiped out without a thought. But, yeah, Stoke <laughs> I always thought... I, I don't know. In The Force Awakens, I was like, okay, we got this guy. He just seems like generic baddie and i I don't know i don't know why every other youtuber delved into talking about snoke every other day but i was just like i don't really see him as that important every once in a while stuff in like the aftermath trilogy would maybe hint towards him so i thought his backstory was just some being that was out in the unknown regions that was immensely power in the dark side powerful in the dark side and then He was kind of reaching out to Palpatine in some way, which caused him to research the unknown regions, if that is what Chuck Wendig was trying to allude to at all. Uh, But yeah, when he died, I cheered. I couldn't believe that they killed him. And that's like if you had told me to guess what's one thing you'd love to see that you know is not going to happen, I'd be like, ah, kill Snoke, get rid of him. And it it was so (laughs) thrilling.
2: Yeah, it was so good. did you have much of a? Um, what, what, do you have any thoughts about where Snoke could have gone, Mitch?
5: Not I mean um, we are. Well, we're giving really boring answers to
2: Tyler's question, but
5: like I had, I it would gone great. If Kylo would. <laughs> yeah, it's great. Uh, I sort of wondered if Kylo would kill him after he got the island information, and then Kylo. I, I thought the ending of Episode Eight might mirror the end of Episode Seven with Kylo going to the island, and us having another cliffhanger with him on the island instead. Um, <laughs> oh, jeez. So I, my expectation was always that Snoke would, would kind of eat it in this film, but I just didn't expect that the how or why would, would be the way it is here. And I think what's, what's most fascinating about Snoke's death in this film is that he spends the beginning of the movie mocking Kylo Ren for failing to become the Vader that he had expected him to become. And by the time he uh, is killed by Kylo Ren, and Kylo kind of acts out in defiance against Snoke and the rest of the First Order, Kylo is kind of, he's become the Vader that Snoke said he would never be because he did what Vader couldn't do, and he killed his master and took over the Empire, right? He takes over the First Order, he becomes the Supreme Leader, and he, he owns it. And it's actually funny, next time you watch the film, you'll notice that when the, the First Order arrives at the car, it's not, there's no, like, sweeping First Order theme when they show up. It's Kylo Ren's theme. The first time you see the First Order in The Last Jedi, it's Kylo Ren they belong to him, and they always did. And now it's his arc is taking them forward with this anger toward everything he's learned and his catastrophic failures on crate. Uh And it's going to be really interesting to see how this, this lunatic who is unstable and emotionally volatile leads this <laughs> gigantic military force across the galaxy. Um, so yeah, I have another boring answer of I liked what they did and I didn't have any other expectations at all. <laughs> <laughs> Great snow question,
2: Tyler I,
5: <laughs> I, I
2: I did in the first screening think to myself I'm going to need another t-shirt think, think and then once I came up with just, <laughs> just, just add the ED I, I, I got to relax and enjoy the rest of the film I, I laughed so I hard totally, when
6: I saw that I feel I got to be totally honest as soon as we walked out of the theater when Claire and I saw it together we were just talking about the movie and we were talking about I wonder what other people thought of it. And then Claire paused for a second. She's like, oh, I feel
2: so bad for Steel.
1: <laughs> 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 Dying last week.
2: Well, I'm, I'm, I'm glad, you know, Claire had a, a moment of joy between all the times that uh, Mitch is making her cry. So she should, yeah. she should savor those happy moments in between the cruel <laughs> twist. She's going
6: she's gonna to uh, need a Mitch writes anything Star Wars ever again.
1: Because at this rate,
6: <laughs> it's just going to be a waterworks. I'm just going to blame Walt for all of the tears. Uh, I did all the good stuff,
5: and then Walt did all the stuff that made her sad.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
5: all right, I guess that works.
1: <laughs>
2: hey, Mitch, was there anything in writing, uh Luke Skywalker in Battlefront that maybe got changed because of the last Jedi or was it just the character was so far out from where he ended up that it didn't sort of frame where you went with the character?
5: No. So we, we obviously knew a little bit about the last Jedi going into developing the game and writing the story because we had to connect the pieces uh, for resurrection in particular, but we also knew we had this compass. We knew it was going to have some connections to the film, but what we didn't know is what Luke Skywalker was, right? Like, the night before we went to see the movie, my co-writer and I were texting each other theories about what is Luke, right? Like, why is he, why is he out here? What is he doing? Is he a monster? Is he powerful in ways that we can't imagine? Turns out that's true. Uh, We didn't really know who he was. And by the time we were exposed to Luke for the first time at celebration in, I think, April, 2016, the script was well underway. We'd recorded a lot of stuff. We were still filming some things, but, You know, we had the core of the story was set in stone with Lucasfilm. And it was fascinating to see Luke kind of talking about the Jedi ending and training this new Jedi without much context. But for us, it was we really looked at Return of the Jedi. We wanted to see this guy who had matured. Because the character of Luke in Return of the Jedi is drastically different than he is in The Empire Strikes Back. I think people don't appreciate Mark Hamill's performance in that as being as distinct as it is. And we drew a lot from that to kind of have this wizened, emotionally raw guy who had been through a lot recently and, ha- and was trying to to find a, a better path to peace than conflict. It was obviously very different than the last Jedi Luke, who's like, he's like the most pacifist you could possibly be.
2: Yeah, and and I guess with, you know, Ryan Johnson's unique storytelling which, which is I, I find i found this article with Lawrence kasdan from two years ago where he said oh this film's going to be weird like he, he gave everyone fair warning but um <laughs> knowing how far he sort of pushed you know the force and, and the storytelling in the film now do you look back and go oh, i should have pitched some wackier stuff should have been way more out there
0: no and i can
5: i actually really like our luke now more seeing the film because we, we were always confident that we were onto something. We thought, oh, it sounds like Luke, and Matt Mercer's performance is really good. Um, he's talking a lot about, you know, he's not trying to convince Dell to join the Rebellion. He's just trying to convince him to do better. He's not he's not trying to convert someone to fight for a different side of the war. He's trying to help him find his own personal peace. And that felt like Luke Skywalker. And it's, it's, it's funny, because our Luke, I feel like, is a pretty decent stepping stone between Return of the Jedi and The Last Jedi, because he's a, he's on that path toward pacifism a little bit. Like you're obviously fighting stormtroopers and you're fighting these little scritters on Pilio. So he's in conflict, but he's, he's trying to rein it in, right? Like he's not trying to get involved in this war. He's trying to get out into the galaxy and find whatever it is he's looking for, whatever, wherever the compass is going to take him. And he's trying to just get away from it all. He talks about not being here on behalf of the rebellion. He's here for himself. It's, and it's, it, it's a nice little bridge. It's a subtle connection, but I really like it. And because of that, I really am super, super, super proud of what Walt and I were able to do with Luke Skywalker. I think we got really lucky because if, if Ryan had gone in a different direction, man, I don't know if we would have connected as well as we did.
2: <laughs> yeah, I, I was quite taken aback at, you know, full full props at just how you nailed it. Like, it, it definitely seems like... A good well, thank you. like depiction of Luke Skywalker after Return of the Jedi, both like you know the acting, the, the you know the animation, and you know a, as you know I don't keep up on you know every advancement in video games to say the least. So I was like, oh my god, this is kind of like watching a a Luke Skywalker like animated movie. I, I was thrilled. Well, I, for all I, of your
5: I, uh, gaps in your Star Wars knowledge, you know, might I recommend YouTube.com/slash Star Wars Explained?
1: <laughs> wow. <laughs> right on. <laughs>
2: What's your next question, Tyler? Let's move on from that uh, uh, sweet sizzle. Oh, man. All right. So,
6: the next question, I think it, it's also like a future type of question. Kyle Ren and Hux, I think it's very clear that there's going to be some issues between those two there already are but in episode nine i imagine they're gonna come into conflict at multiple points i want to know if what you guys would like to see happen between kylo and hucks i have seen a lot of theories talk about how people think the hucks might execute an order 66 of sorts on kylo ren i've seen a lot of people say that they think that kylo ren might be the one just to end the first order and hucks might have a attempted failed coup upon kylo ren I find those two characters and their dynamic um, to honestly be one of the, my favorite parts of The Last Jedi. So I just want to know what you think is the future for those two characters in the First Order at large, because I really feel that the future of the First Order really relies on the decisions that those two characters are going to make.
2: I I sort of, from what I know, Alex, you can help me out with this, but, but Hux is a bit of a... Um he's a bit of a hoax, isn't he? He sort of just got in because of his dad and then he ended up just killing his dad. And maybe he's not, he doesn't really have the skills to uh, validate his position in the first order. Is that, is that an apt?
3: Uh, that's,
2: that's honestly kind
3: of where I was going to go with that is that I think that Hux is going to have no problem following orders. I mean, I did, one of my favorite moments of the movie was when Kylo Ren was knocked out and Hux kind of reaches for his blaster oh. and he wakes up and he's like, "Never yeah. mind, never mind." Yeah, like I just don't see him having much of a background and I or a backbone, and I think that's kind of why Snoke he said, "Do you know why I keep a rabid cur like in charge?" Which, by the way, I love that he says that before the door is closed and like Hux Oh is yeah. right Hux there, can like, absolutely <laughs> hear it. So good, like. I think he's just – he has command of his troops because of his father, but I, I think he's
2: someone that will be
3: able to be kept under Kylo Ren's thumb.
2: Yeah. I i think it's – am I reading it right? That the guy that was running, that was like the captain of the Dreadnought, like kind of had skills and was getting frustrated because Hux was so useless?
3: Is that, yes, uh, I think so. Uh, Kennedy – he in the visual dictionary it does say he was from the empire so he's like one of the old mainstays and he's like we should have scrambled our fighters what five minutes ago and he's just frustrated that i don't think hux really knows what he's doing other than he has the training protocols the brainwashing stuff that his father set up
5: well, that's what I really like about how they present Hux's theatricality in The Last Jedi, right? Like, he's got that gigantic grandstanding speech in The Force Awakens. And that became who his character is in The Last Jedi. He's doing this big moment with Poe Dameron where he thinks he's in control. And he gets turned into a fool in front of all of the First Order. And then Snoke makes him a fool in front of all the First Order. And then Kylo kind of just beats the crap out of him for the whole movie. I don't. I think it'd be a little bit lame if he was just a punching bag for the rest of the series for the remainder of the trilogy. But I am also, I'm, I'm inclined to agree with Alex in that I think that he does fall in line. I think that he does respect the chain of command. And even though he's he hates Kylo Ren, uh, I don't think he necessarily had any great love for Snoke. And I think that as long as Hux is in a position of power, he's perfectly happy. I don't think he wants to be the supreme leader. He, he purely just wants that military control and to be able to continue being as theatrical as he has been to, to kind of show and, you know, Wave his ego around.
2: Yeah, theatrical. That's one way to look at it. Hey, uh, Tyler, <laughs> we better hustle on and just get a, a call in or two before Mitch has to bail. But uh, happy holidays to you and Claire, mate.
6: Yeah, happy holidays to all of you guys. Uh,
2: I'll talk to you soon. I'm I'm sure sure. Alex, i Alex,
6: we will. Uh, Alex, we will have a conversation at some point. That's not under <laughs> I promise.
4: <laughs> Can't wait. <laughs> all right. See you guys. Happy
6: holidays.
1: See you.
4: Bye.
2: A very ominous way to leave the conversation. We will have a conversation in the future. Um, Tyler, of course, heads up the uh, Star Wars Podcast Alliance Facebook group on Facebook, where all the best Facebook groups are, funnily enough.
0: Hey guys, just before we wrap up the regular portion of the show, I just wanted to let you guys know what's happening on the Steel Wars Patreon Content Club feed. For just... $3 $3 support a month to help keep the podcast going. As a bonus, there is the Patreon Content Club feed, which features multiple bonus shows a week. And in the aftermath of The Last Jedi, there is plenty to listen to. There is the very first episode of the very special new show by my wife, Jacqueline, called Juklin Strikes Back with her and her friend Blondie. They do a complete, slightly wine-infused breakdown of The Last Jedi. People have been loving that. There is an in-depth analysis of the reaction to the reaction of The Last Jedi on the new Making Steel Wars with me and MakingStarWars.net's Jason Ward, one of our most popular regular shows, and... The Robbo Report. Notorious Colin in show caller Robbo has been given his own Patreon show and the second episode breaks down his highs and lows of The Last Jedi. Tons of great content. There'll be a QA and a all on The Last Jedi, which you guys can ask questions of if you're a Patreon supporter going up this week. And you also get the bonus portion of this and every call-in show we do. And on this episode, we go another half hour taking calls and me quizzing Alex from Star Wars Explained with a few pressing Star Wars questions. I'm super proud of all the bonus content we supply our Patreons and now is a great time with so much to talk about to give it a test for a month for just Three dollars. Hit up patreon.com forward slash Steel Wars
2: Let's go to I believe it's California with Patreon contributor Rashad Are you there buddy? Hey what's
4: going on guys?
2: Hey. What is happening with you? How are you uh, dealing with this post Last Jedi world?
4: Well it was quite a wallop. Um, by the way, I really loved your episode with Jacqueline when you guys were driving to the airport or whatever.
2: That was really cool. So did I. Yeah. And, uh, oh, thanks. Um, I do get it. It's it a little bit emotional.
4: Oh, for sure. It's a very emotional experience.
2: That's for sure. The,
4: but I, I kind of feel like she did. Like, the first time I saw the film, I was just, like, shell-shocked. I didn't know what I saw, how I felt. I missed a lot of things and then I think I saw it a second time and kind of the stuff that was really jarring for me the first time I kind of saw it and it was one of those things where I kind of missed the forest for the trees the first time and then the second Mm -hmm. time you saw the bigger picture and how everything fits and uh, I really I really like the movie I think it's very very good and the more I talk about it the more I like it I still think it has some issues but it's like not the end of the world.
2: And uh, what, do you have a question for us Rock?
4: I do. I actually have a question for Mitch, so I'm very glad that he's still here. Oh, hey, how's it going? Happy to answer Good. How are you doing, man?
1: Thanks. So,
4: um... I'm at home on regarding... now, and I'm seeing Star Wars with my dad tomorrow. That's good.
1: <laughs>
4: nice. Um, I had a question regarding the single-player story. Do you have plans to continue it? Or are we going to get further um, chapters in the story with the seasons, and if so are they going to be tied into the seasons at all or are they going to continue kind of along its own trajectory so nothing to announce in terms of future stories for Battlefront uh, what I
5: will say is that Iden's story obviously is is complete um, we did want to bring that to a fairly ending we didn't want to leave anything hanging with Iden Um mm-hmm. And I think going forward, looking at the opportunities of stories available for Zay and Shriv um, and anybody else, I think that there is a, there is a rich pool of stories to be told that I would love to be involved in. Uh, But I just, I don't know necessarily what the next steps are, right? Because I was as surprised as you were when I was watching the last Jedi, to see that the allies in the outer rim that Leia keeps talking about in the film that Zay and Shriv went to find aren't coming. New phone, right? Like, yeah, it was like, it, it totally blindsided us because we thought, oh, that's going to be, you know, maybe episode nine is the Outer Rim comes together and it's like all out war. And now it's like, no, they aren't coming. Cool. Okay, so what does that mean? Like, the mission that Walt and I thought Zane and Shrev were on is not the mission they're on. And now I'm like, ooh, what is it then? <laughs> <like starting> <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, I, nothing to announce, but I obviously have a great deal of love for our characters,
4: and I would love to keep writing Shriv for the rest of my life. I I hope the same. He's amazing.
2: Uh, You got anything else, Rashad?
4: Well, I guess I have a general Last Jedi question for all of you. What do you think is your favorite line from the movie? Hmm.
5: Ooh, this
1: Hmm, is
4: a good question. Dang.
3: Oh, man. 10 minutes of radio silence as we all yeah we're gonna think i'll (laughs) say that something that just popped into my head and it's not my favorite line but something that i really like that they did is the way that ryan johnson got i have a bad feeling about this into the movie and it was implied that bb8 said it and i think if they're going to continue these star wars traditions i like that the filmmakers are going to get very creative with how they insert them so that it's something to catch and not just like, oh, there he said it. But having BB-8 say it, I thought was very funny. But now I'll have to think of an actual line. <laughs> we tried yeah.
1: that too,
5: right? Like our our version of that is, you have a bad feeling about this, right? Yeah, shrimp, exactly. And we wanted to do just a little little something different. I guess I think mine is, it's just a, it's a sentiment, right? Like it's a couple characters saying a couple lines, but the complete thought of. Leia talking about hope is like the sun. If you can only believe it when, if you only believe in it when you can see it, you'll never make it through the night. Is such a beautiful representation of hope, um, and I think Ryan is really good at capturing the ideas of Star Wars in ways in ways that are just beautiful and clearer and better than they've ever been. Especially the Force. The way Luke and Rey talk about the Force is it's it's spiritual, but it's clear and it's interesting. And I'm I'm a big fan of the way he talks about Star Wars concepts.
2: I love the bad feeling about this from BB-8. I think that show, it's sort of like a good, like, representation of what he did with Star Wars. It's like, here's all the stuff, but we're totally, we're not, we're not, we're going to bend the rules. We're going to see where we can go. So I I thought that was cool. I'm I'm glad it was in there somewhere, because I I was a little bit disappointed when afterwards I was like, hey, yeah, that wasn't in there, (laughs) but Rashad... Uh uh-huh. don't cheat you thought of the question what what's what's your line uh
4: i'm going to cheat a little bit cuz i i kind of have two but it's kind of tied between at the very end when luke right before he's about to be like struck down or whatever and he tells kylo if you strike me down in anger i'll always be with you just like your father i love that line
1: mm. um
4: And then the other line I really like, it's it's a stupid thing, but I've seen like a somewhat compelling argument about it in the throne room when Rey and Kylo are kind of alone and they defeated everybody through whatever space juicer. And uh, (laughs) you know, like you realize like, oh, Kylo didn't do this to jump sides. He did this to try and convince Rey to join him. And there's a moment where he, he's having this conversation, and he just reaches out and he's like, "Please." It's like a very sincere. Like, Rashani, please. This the one that I was gonna say. Oh man, <laughs> sorry. My
3: no, that, that's good. That's he's like right.
4: the moment. Yeah, that's the moment that like you really see the depths of Kylo's character, and he's like reaching out. He's there's a human. There's some sort of empathy there. He's just a monster. <laughs> that entire well, scene is so good too,
5: because it's basically a breakup. After all of their uh, their forced time phone calls, right? Like he's he's begging her to come with him, and she just keeps saying, "Ben, don't do this. Ben, don't do this." And it's it really genuinely feels like a breakup at the end of a relationship to me, until they come face to face with their like their actual force connection after Luke has gone on crate.
2: Yeah, the I, I love the um, when he says, "I will not be the last Jedi." I'm not sure if I'm getting that mm. word it perfect, but. I get I get pretty invigorated when he says it. I, I am into that, and I also love just for the comedy of it when Kylo Ren goes, "You're no one, nothing," and just like he just his, his sentence just speeds up. I just adore that how he's just like he's so petulant, just like you're nobody, nothing, no one. Or I'm getting it. I'm not getting a spot on, but just just how he sort of like no, he follow, he follows up on it way too quick. <laughs> I also really like, like.
3: I I like uh, Finn when he says, may the force be with you to Rose. Like that's just (laughs) what celebs say that, that cracks me up every time.
2: Yeah. Just like a signal of like, all right, that's, here's the catchphrase. Now Uh move along. His smug little nod. Please leave. (laughs) (laughs) So good. Hey, uh, Rashad, thanks so much for your call, my man.
4: Always. A pleasure.
1: Thanks, guys. uh,
2: We will be doing a live Steel Wars back in L.A. for you to attend on the 13th of January back at Scum and Villainy at 3.30. So tickets will be going on sale for that probably just after Christmas or maybe just before. But you'll know. So I'll see you there, buddy.
4: I will be there. Uh, Happy holidays, everybody. And may the force be with you.
2: Thanks, may the fourth, may the force be with you. I just I just giggled and let you walked off. Then I, I, I just left the uh, escape pod. Uh, it, it works no matter what you do. What um, in watching the the film, Mitch, did you have any like video gamey ideas? Like I'd love to tackle that.
5: Oh man, yeah. I mean, it's I I would love 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 to see uh, the dreadnought assault. As a starfighter assault map, or something, or a single-player mission, or something, because it's the 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 idea of assaulting a capital ship like that with just Poe Dameron, right? He's got that that accelerator. He's bombing on against the the guns. He's taking out the surface cannons, clearing the way for these bombers. That's just such a cool video gamey thing, right? Like it feels genuinely tactical, but it also feels like faces of a multiplayer match to me. It was just so so cool. Um, and the Dreadnought's such a terrifying ship. I would love to see more of it in in
3: space battles
5: Um, what else I mean Crate is obviously such a striking planet I was really happy that we got to see it in Battlefront 2 especially because uh, and I talked about this a little bit um, at one point you know we had this idea for a planet that had uh, crystals underneath it and they would like punch through the ground you would see them and it was like it's very crystalline and uh, Lucasfilm was very quick to tell us that that is just definitely not an option we're sorry we need to figure out a uh, different biome for you guys, for a, for a huh. new planet. And we were
4: super bummed,
5: because we really wanted that to be in, in the game. And now it is. Huh. <laughs> that planet was in the last time. it so long. So it's just cool that uh, it came full circle, that we had this idea that they also had. And in the end, it made it its way into Battlefront 2.
3: Is it hard to figure out new biomes? Because... Like, I'm always wondering, what else could they make a planet full of? And then you did Pileo, and it's like this coral planet. And I was like, oh, that's a great idea. Like, how, how long yeah, did it's you do on that? It's not
5: that? the only coral planet in Star Wars. It the first episode of the Clone Wars was a coral planet, but it, it looks completely different. We came up with a lot of stuff, like different kinds of forests with different stuff. It, it's funny, we had a crossover a little bit with the, um, uh, remind me of the Galaxy's Edge planet, starts of the B. Uh, we're such bad Man, Star Wars yeah. fans. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, I never so never the Galaxy's Edge one, uh. theme park planet, uh, we pitched something similar with like stones coming up over trees, and and again, it was just like, ooh, that's actually in production already. So it is. It's tough to come up with like, I mean, you look at Rogue One, just just shooting in the Maldives was such a great idea. Like, let's have a tropical planet, right? Like, you haven't really seen that, and when it comes to Star Wars, it's there's nothing earthly about the places in those. Movies. There's it's it's a single biome across the entire planet. It's always city. It's always desert. It's always ocean. It's coral. It's things like that, right? So, coming up with something that is refreshing and different, but also singular, is really hard. Yeah, <laughs> like, try to come up with a Star Wars planet and like impress yourself. It's really hard.
2: I, I drove out at Thanksgiving to Yuma, and I visited where the Silac Pit was, and then we drove up to the Grand Canyon and and some of the the rock faces in those national parks are like they seemed pretty ripe for a sweet planet, like with all the the petrified forests and stuff I, I, I definitely I kind of felt like how comes like a 60s episode of Star Trek should have been filmed out here or something
5: <laughs> it probably was
2: it, it probably was that's where that lizard really got a beating from from
1: first
2: <laughs> <laughs> mitch thanks so much Let's for coming go. on the show I, I know you're super hectic yeah. what what is your the the game comes out what what does what your job become in in the weeks after the release of a game what what's going on Are you just putting your foot up at the office or you you just you've got uh, your
5: little I basically just spent the vast majority that we launched, and then I just kind of watched people play
1: it on
5: Twitch. Like, especially all the people that I knew. Like, I watched Alex and his wife play a little bit. I watched uh, this this cosplayer uh, named Bria, who'd been very adamantly and excited about Aiden. the whole time. Uh, you know, I followed her on Twitter. She's Chaos Bria. I'll give her a shout out. She was so excited about Aiden and the costume and the character for so long that every time she streamed the game, I was like, "Yes, I have to watch Bria play." It was like surreal to see people reacting in real time to the moments you knew were coming and you were like excited to see if people would laugh at that joke. But I guess it's also, you know, I'm, I'm, I love doing stuff like this. I love getting to finally sit down and talk to you guys. Now that you've played the game and we can just have really, really long and honest conversations about Star Wars stories and how these characters all fit and where they're going. And that kind of stuff is, it's the most exciting thing because now it's out there, right? It's, it belongs to the people now it's not ours anymore and that's a that's a really strange and wonderful feeling
2: well to your credit you created new characters which you know many fans find very endearing and you used old ones that didn't offend people so congratulations
5: Thanks, man. That was a very exciting, dude. I got some uh, Lando lines for Billy D. Williams. How crazy is that?
3: <laughs> just throwing that oh, you know. I would absolutely. I'd play some DLC of Shriven Lando, like their previous missions that they talk about. Like I would. i would oh play that goodness. in a heartbeat.
5: <laughs> Let's start a grassroots campaign yeah. right now.
3: I, I'll do Let's it. Have like
5: <laughs> five years of single-player story that is just driven Lando. <laughs>
2: Yeah, I'm not sure how playable it would be, but I'd like one of those missions just to go to the bar together and have a chat. I just, just want to oh, see a mates, you know?
5: I have so many ideas for games that are just sitting at a bar. Let's make this work, Steel. We, we're going to do this. <laughs> <laughs>
1: you're talking My friend to me.
6: Marty and I have been conceiving of a game at a bar for like five years.
2: Oh, well, as long as you're not spending the five years conceiving the game at a bar you might get somewhere in life that's that's all i have to say there uh mitch where can the good people of the internet track you down on said interface
5: yeah the vast majority of all of my uh internet vomiting is at mitchy d on twitter m-i-c-c-h-y-d uh that's kind of just my that's my my internet name everywhere i guess so search that, you'll find me. Uh, but yeah, Twitter's probably the best way. Come talk to me about Battlefront. Send me your Shriv fan art. Uh, I know <laughs> there's a lot of
2: it. <laughs> Excellent. Well, uh, thanks so much, mate. Have a great holidays. It was it was yeah, so cool too. of you to thanks come back on the show. Deal, it was
5: uh, it was cool to talk to you, Alex. Glad glad we got to finally do a show together.
2: Yeah, me too. And um, and 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 you know, much like you know, other people that are involved in the creation process. I think it's very cool that we get to interact with, you know, people making Star Wars on Twitter. So thanks for uh, uh, having a slip at times and uh, uh, still (laughs) hanging out with us.
6: Absolutely.
2: All righty. Cheers, man. Have a great one.
5: Happy holidays, boys. Talk to you. You too, Mitch. Bye-bye. Nice.
2: Now we are gonna keep going for a bit of bonus time for the patrons and uh I've got I got a few questions, a few canny questions for uh, Alex to tackle. I've um I've been thinking a lot about R2D2's map and um why it's got the missing piece and what The Last Jedi might mean to that. And I want to discuss that with you. And uh, we've got a few people on hold as well. So if you want to become a patron, it's just $3 a month, and you get the bonus shows. And the other separate bonus shows, just in the next 24 hours, there'll be a new Making Star Wars, or Making Steel Wars, sorry, with Jason Ward from Making Star Wars and we'll be talking about their reaction to The Last Jedi. And there's a new episode of The Robbo Report that we just recorded, and we get Robbo's unique take on The Last Jedi and his disgust at the use of slow motion in the film, which I didn't <laughs> even notice at all because I just had my mouth open, giggling at what was about to happen. So uh, check that out at patreon.com forward slash Steel Wars. Uh, Alex of Star Wars Explained, tell the great people where they can track down your very comprehensive YouTube channel.
3: Uh, Yeah, just go to youtube.com and type in Star Wars Explained up at the top and I should
2: be the first thing that comes up. That's it. (laughs) Nice. And again, if you haven't watched any of Alex's videos, go to that canon what, what is that video called that goes through the entire canon
3: uh the canon timeline uh yeah i think it's just called star wars the complete canon timeline and it's something that this past year it's the first year i did it for the canon i did one for legends but now i just decided every year on may 4th i'm going to update a video that keeps track of the entire story of star wars and the entire galaxy kind of like a history book would present it
2: if I don't talk to you before um, the holidays hit, everyone have a great holiday. Stay safe, uh, enjoy your friends and family. And as we go on into Patreon the section, may that be with you. Mm-hmm. Alrighty. we have got six one nine online. Who are you calling from?
3: Hey, it's Brittany. Hi guys,
1: how
2: are you? Oh. Hi. I I could have told you who it was after the signature.
1: Hey.
0: Hey you guys, if you've stuck along with the episode for this long, then we're obviously doing something right. So tell the world by going onto iTunes and leaving us a sweet five-star review. It bumps us up the rankings, vouches to other potential listeners that we're doing good stuff, and also makes your host feel warm inside. If you have a couple of seconds to spare to post one up, I'd really appreciate it.